Hey, thanks for checking out the Airborne Youth Podcast. This week you'll be hearing a teaching from Dylan Krause. Okay, so check it out. We don't have a lot of time, so I need y'all to listen up really quick. This is what we're going to do. We're going to go over the theme for this month. We only have a couple Wednesday nights, right, till Christmas, so we got to pack it in here. We're going to pack it in real fast. So what is a filter? What are we even talking about? What are, yes, go for it, Ian. No saying bad words. Okay, so you're talking about like filtering the things you say out loud. Like that's a really good thing to do. Like sometimes when you go away for a retreat weekend and you come home and you haven't slept at all and all you've been surviving on is caffeine and sugar and you get in the car and you yell at your parents the first thing after an airborne retreat, what are you doing? That's when you're losing your filter. That's a good filter to have, right? What other things are filters? Abaja. Watching what you think? Okay. Give me some, like, natural filters. How many people of you drive a car in here? Oh, not yet. Okay, hit me with it. Air filter, right? The thing in the what? (laughs) Oh, this is awesome. This is totally displaying something that Kevin and Ben and I were talking about earlier to the max. Anyway, we'll skip that. Hit me. (laughs) A coffee filter. Okay, you're filtering out the grinds unless you want to drink cowboy coffee and have the grit in the bottom. You can smile and have all those black coffee grinds in your teeth. Be like, howdy, how are y'all doing? You just got like, you know, all that gross, gritty coffee in your teeth. Probably have some like pizza in my mouth or something like that. You're all looking at me like, uh, what? What are you doing? No, okay, and so like even at your house, it's okay, I'm, I'm good on that. Even at your house, like all of your air is filtered through an air filter, right? So, like, there's all these good things that you need in life. You need even, like, purifiers for some of your water, right? Like, I don't even drink the water in Steelton anymore because I've gotten so many things in the mail that say, hey, you should boil your water because if you don't, you'll get cancer. (laughs) Like, you just told me that yesterday and said you fixed it, and now I'm getting another one in the mail. No, so I just drink spring water. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And even the air, like I said, like, good things like you need for your air, like, you need to breathe, right? Like, You know what I'm saying? Don't do that too much or you pass out and break yourself. You need to filter your air and you need to purify your water and your oil in your car needs to be filtered and stuff like that so that the bad stuff doesn't get into where the good stuff goes. That's just the gist. Okay, you hearing me? So good things in life still sometimes need to be filtered. Okay? This is actually a definition I I found on Webster's. Something that has the effect of a filter in parentheses, as by holding back elements, holding things back, or modifying the appearance of something, okay? That's like your Insta-Slam photo challenge, uh, modifying the appearance of something, okay? But when you superimpose this, this, like, idea or this technique of filtering things that are good for you and that you need to make them better, and you put that technique on something that is already perfect, what can you really accomplish? You ain't getting nowhere. Because by the definition of what you're doing by filtering something is you're taking it away, right? So when I filter my Steelton water, I'm taking away all that stuff that's going to give me cancer. You know what I'm saying? When you filter your air in your house, it's so that that dog or that turtle that you have, all that stink is getting filtered through that filter, and you're not just blowing it all over through your house. You know what I'm saying? Or if you have a teenage brother, like, they probably put two filters in your furnace for that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? 
And, like, the oil filter in your car, it's making sure that none of the, like, metal or random junk gets into your engine and blows it up. Okay? Because there's bad stuff that you need to filter out. But if something is perfect, if something is 100% pure, the only thing you can accomplish by filtering it is to reduce it from its purity, is to take its purity away from it. Because by definition, all the only thing you can do by filtering something is to remove an element of it. Okay? So what do you think I'm getting at from this? This is like a quote from Pastor Charles. You guys all know Pastor Charles, right? Super awesome river guide hippie survivor man. <laughs> he, says, he says a couple of really awesome things about this. He says that most... Most, picture the word most right here. It's the enemy of all. Right? And that another thing he says is that once you subtract just one, just one thing from infinity, you've changed the actual nature of that thing. Right? You've actually removed its like perfect nature just by just by taking one thing away from it. Okay, you, you hearing me? So, what am I getting at? The gospel is 100% pure, is 100% perfect, all by itself. Truth or not truth? So, by filtering the gospel through your life and through your circumstance and through the things that have happened to you, can you accomplish anything good? If a thing is perfect, if a thing is pure, what happens if you filter it? It makes it worse, right? Because by definition, the only thing you can do, right, this is what I said over and over again, is take something away. And if, if most is the enemy of all, and you take something that is all pure, all perfect, all powerful, and you take a filter and you put it on it and say, yeah, but that one time when somebody prayed for me, I didn't get healed. And you start to live through your concept of what God said is true and perfect and pure. All of a sudden, the power of the gospel towards you has been altered. And now it's not infinite anymore because of the the filter of your life that you're living through. You feel me? That's where I'm going with this. Okay, what do you mean? How do I know if I'm filtering the gospel? Well, look, I'm going to break it down for you in something that kind of makes a little more sense. How many of you people in here drive cars, have a license? Yeah, you can raise your hand. It's okay. How many of you want to drive a car when you turn 16? Yeah, amen. Yeah, it's all right. You're going you're gonna to get that thing. It's crazy to me that this is like, I mean, this is like the one thing that like is universally contaminating to Christians' faith is driving cars. Isn't that crazy? Like, if you've ever been in the car with Kevin Oakley, man, I mean, he's about to run over about 35 people every 25 minutes. I mean, it's crazy. It is seriously crazy. I can, I can literally remember multiple accounts of me in my car worshiping my brains out Jesus. Get the heck out of the road is like the next line to the song that doesn't exist. How is this possible? 
Yeah, like, Jesus, I, uh, what the heck is wrong with this person? What is, this is like a plague. Like, seriously, does anybody else experience this? Drivers, let me see you. Okay, thank you. You can't raise your hand? No, that would be maybe dishonoring. I don't know. Don't raise your hand for your parents. But seriously, like, why is, why is driving a car so personal? You know what I mean? Like, like, every single person in here, you are the perfect driver on the road. And I totally disagree with that statement 100%. Like, that is, that is so how we live, though. And I can say that for sure, like, that this, this is the kind of stuff, like, it's, it becomes so personal because you filter it through your life circumstance. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, my daddy said that if I'm through halfway through the intersection, by the time that sucker turns red, I'm fine. And you're sitting there telling the police officer who's like, uh-huh, I'm still writing you a ticket. You're an idiot. Like, you're like, no, man, come on. You know, it becomes so personal because you attach it to things that are, like, circumstantial in your life. And like, no, man, my grandpa's been driving off the side of the road to pass cars all his life. You know what I mean? Like, my dad said it was fine to hang out the window and hit the stupid guy with the baseball bat. Yes, that was my life story, like driving. Not that that was really what my dad said, but that's really what we did growing up. Like some guy cuts you off going out of the Sunoco, and then you beep at him, he beeps at you, and then he drives 15 miles an hour through the, through the town. And the only reason we didn't get to beat his car with the little New York slugger in the back seat is because we, I didn't shift to the right gear when my friend was hanging out the driver's side window with the bat swinging at the car. Yes. Don't advise that at all. I'm, I'm just clarifying the most ridiculous actions that are out there because people are this crazy about it. And, you know, like, we just had Thanksgiving, right? So I just said that I was just driving, like, thousands of miles. Not, not really thousands, but it felt like it. And, like, just on Thanksgiving Day, like, people are everywhere, right? And so I'm driving, and there's, like, this white Mercedes up ahead of me, and I'm just kind of, like, cruising. It's, like, a 35. I'm probably going 40. And, like, she's, like, I'm... See, I just filtered that. I just assume it's a her. (laughs) Jesus help me. I just assume. That's so bad. But look, okay, the individual in the white Mercedes C-Class was up there turning into a gas station. And um, she is up there. Like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) The individual is way ahead of me. And... And they have probably like 20 seconds to make a right-hand turn from one lane into the gas station before I reach their rear bumper. So I'm thinking, I'm not going to break. They've got all the time in the world to turn into that gas station, right? So I'm just driving, and my wife is like, slow down, babe, slow down, slow down, babe, babe. And then the hand comes out, you know? And I'm like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. I'm like, what is this person doing? You know, like, she's like the responsible driver who's, like, responding to the actual situation that's happening. I'm responding to the way that I filter it to be actually happening in my mind. Like, this person should be pumping gas by now, not still making the right-hand turn. (laughs) And so I literally nearly run right into the back of this pretty new Mercedes-Benz because, like, I'm just, like, Get out of the way. And then I honk at them for almost hitting them. And my wife's just like, what is the matter with you? On the way up to Katie's parents, a different time, we're going. And, like, I'm, like, pulling behind. You really set yourself up for this kind of stuff. 
and like you're getting right up to a passing zone and you've been following like three tractor trailers for like a half an hour and you're like if this guy these are like the indicators you go if this person does dot 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 you are setting yourself up for torture setting yourself up for torture i go if this guy pulls over and tries to pass this person well it was a truck driver this time see filter again if this person tries to pass this other truck driver, I'm going to flip out. And so, of course, he pulls over into the passing lane. And he's going all of 0.5 miles an hour faster than the guy up the hill. They're both chugging along. I drop it into, like, fourth gear, third gear, depending on how fast we're going, and just pass them both on double yellow up the other side. And my wife didn't talk to me for, like, a half an hour after that one. <laughs> it was really bad. It was seriously bad. But... If in the case that I get pulled over in those situations by a police officer and he starts to tell me, like, uh, what do you think you're doing? Uh, hey, son, do you know how fast you're going back there? Uh, excuse me, boy, do you realize that you almost cleaned out that individual's Mercedes Benz? I wanted to say grandma's, but I didn't. And I just go, yeah, but you, you saw how stupid they were being, right? Like, that would be my response. And how many of you believe that he would just, like, acquit me of all of my charges at that point? Just like, oh, yeah, you're right. Would he do that? It may be, <laughs> may be in a small town. No, he wouldn't, right? Why not? Because the law's the law, she said. Because he goes by the book. Because he goes by the book. How many of you have, have read one of these? How many of you drivers? How many of you drivers have read through your book the other day? Yeah, Mark, yeah, sure. I'm sure you've been reading. I'm sure you've been keeping track of all of your. That's Lord's turn. Like every Thursday, I just go through the multiple choice questions again, you know, just make sure I keep them fresh. Got to keep them in here. No, nobody has read that book since you passed your test, right? No, as soon as you passed your test. Okay, you can keep that. Free copy. <laughs> exactly, but he doesn't have to go get it. As soon as you pass your test, you what? You just put that book to the side, and all of a sudden, the rules of that book come, become filtered through your mind and how people should drive. Case in point, me, right here. Here I am. I still do this to this day. Because you're just like, I don't need that anymore. I totally, I, like, I passed the test, and I'm good to go, and now I'm just going to drive for myself, and everything is going to be fine. This is why we have accidents. <laughs> this is why it's super rare. Do you guys remember when Tannen was here last time and he was like, telling us a story about how he just totally T-boned some lady at, by sheets? You remember that? Oh, gosh. But it was a lady in this story. It was a lady in this story. No, seriously. And Tannen gets out and he goes, totally my fault. Because he knew that he wasn't allowed to pass on the right when somebody was turning, you know, or whatever, in the shoulder. And, like, I do that way too much apparently i've been thinking about it more since he told that story and he gets out of the car and he goes totally my fault and the lady's like what no that never happens anymore that's why she was totally freaked out because instantly everybody's like you're an idiot the other person goes you're an idiot because everybody thinks that they're perfect at driving all based on the way that they've filtered the book through their own circumstance and through their own ideas and through their own understanding of how it should be, right? Now, do you see why 
superimposing this idea of filtering things that are right and perfect. Like, I'm not saying that the Pennsylvania law of driving, obviously, I don't believe that's perfect because I think you should be able to pass stupid people whenever you want, however you want, if you feel confident to do so. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm just saying it's right, okay, because it's the law, okay, and people have decided on it. But I am saying that the gospel of Jesus Christ, the one that we're celebrating the whole season of Christmas for, understand what I'm saying? It is perfect, and it is pure, and it is right. And it is whole, and it is holy. And if you start to filter it through your circumstance, you take away from it, and you actually remove the power that it holds to save you. You see what I'm saying? If you start to live your life, your, your Christian life, your walk with God, through the filter that you have based on your experience in life, you will lose the power of the truth. So, how many of you have read this thing lately? Hopefully before, hopefully sooner than or more recent than that thing, right? Because seriously, getting into the word is what gets you back in touch with its purity, with its power, with its perfectness, with its wholeness. And you read something over and over and over again, and sometimes it just clicks because of where you're at in your life. And you go, oh, man, God is working all things together for my good. I don't have to be afraid. Oh, man, God has poured out his Holy Spirit in my heart. He hasn't given me a spirit of fear again, but he's actually made me his son. And I'm totally, or daughter, totally wrapped up in love on every single side of me, right? So here's a couple things I just want you to think about. Some indicators, right? Some indicators like I was talking about when I'm talking to the police officer, and all of a sudden I go, but officer, ding, 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 ding. Whoa, hold up. Obviously, you're trying to make something up. Anytime, so listen to this. Anytime you come to God for forgiveness that is masked by, masked by excuses, you're living with a filter. Every time you come to him and you go, God, forgive me, I did this thing, but it wasn't my fault. I, you know, I was just with my girlfriend and we ended up messing around and then, you know, we slept together. It wasn't my fault. Or any single time you're like, oh, God, we were just hanging out, and this guy, he's really cool. I wanted to, like, I wanted to like minister to him, you know, but he offered me this beer, so I started drinking it, and, and it wasn't my fault. Oh, God, I, I screwed up. I did this thing again. I, I just can't, I can't get free from pornography. I can't do it. This is just my older brother. He got me into it, and it's not my fault. Every single time you start to mask yourself with these excuses, you are living in a filter of what the reality is, because what you're saying is that, God, you can't save me right where I'm at. But that's not the truth. He can get to you no matter where you're at. His love is big enough to cross any border. Like that song said, no amount of untruth, no amount of lie can separate me from you because you are truth. You are truth. And what's your part is just to say yes to him as being truth. And he comes and gets you. It's just to say yes to him, right? Like you could say all these things like, you know, God, you always, you always meet this other person. Or like tonight when Ben was praying about, like asking us to just pray and ask God to show us an animal. He showed me a crocodile, right? And like you could be here going like, God, you never speak to me. You speak to everybody but me. Living through a filter of your experience instead of going, God, I know you speak to people. Speak to me. 
Because the Bible says that if you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you, right? And you say that, like, I know that you're working all things together for my good. I know you're going to speak to me. Come. And he actually uses it so you would actually become radical in your faith and hunger because you know that it's true and it's, you know that it's for you. And so you abandon yourself to pursue his promise for you. I, I guarantee you that, like, one thing that will cause you to be abandoned and live radical for God is being aware of what's available to you and the, the fullness of it, right? Like, if you come here and you go, God, you never speak to me, you're not going to get radical and get hungry and try to hear God's voice and get alone with God and read the word and pray and just ask for God to come and speak to you. You're just going to believe the lie and go home and play PS4. I would just shoot like a whole stack of PS4s if they're here right now. Hate stinking PS4 and Xbox One. <laughs> Sorry, it's personal for some guys in the back row. <laughs> no, seriously. You're just going to go and live in a hole and watch TV and play video games. Because you're living in a filter that goes, God's not going to speak to me anyway. Why would, I, why would I seek him? Why would I draw near to him? Instead of, God, I didn't hear your voice last night. I want to hear your voice. And you wake up at 6.30 before you take a shower and do whatever you have to do to, to hear God's voice. I always fall asleep when I get up to try to hear God's voice. So one time when I got up early, I put like 16 layers on, two masks, and I ran laps around the church in the hill just to, hear, just to pray and hear God's voice. Literally. And then the cops got called on me by the trash guy who came really early in the morning and said, some freak is walking around the church. You better come check it out. And they come up the back hill, and I'm like taking masks off and putting my hands up and going, I swear I'm, all, I'm, not, I'm not a dangerous person. I just want to meet Jesus. True story. No filter. I don't need no freaking filter for that crap. That's real. Huh. Sometimes we filter the gospel towards the people around us. That's crazy, right? You go, ah, oh, that person probably doesn't need you today. I don't want to talk to them anyway. <laughs> Not to get, like, super crazy and weird or whatever, like, but literally this is a true story, so it's just what it is. There's this girl in my high school, and she was, you know, total goth, whatever, crazy person. And she had, like, green and black hair and black lipstick and black nail polish and everything. And I saw her, like, shortly after getting saved, and I saw her, like, just leaning up against the girl's bathroom wall on the outside, like, locker room area on the way into school. And I thought, like, I should really just go say good morning to that person and say hey to him, you know. And, um, like, a few weeks later, I didn't do it. A few weeks later, she killed herself. And, like, just, just to be honest, I'm not, like, trying to say, like, you have to, like, whatever. I'm not trying to, like, create some kind of weird, like, thing. Like, I'm just telling you the truth. She might not have killed herself if I went and told her good morning. Literally, she might not have. She might have, but she might not have. And... There's other times in my life where, like, thankfully, I was able to actually communicate with people about what I felt like God was saying to them. And one person that I grew up with, he was a neighbor of mine. We worked together in high school. And he was talking about how, like, you know how people in high school, they get crazy and they get, like, political and they think they know everything. And it's ridiculous. And he was talking about how great abortion was for women. I was like, dude, you're an idiot. And... 
He's talking about how, like, you need to, they need to respect, we need to respect the women. They, it should be their choice to kill the baby if they want to and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, dude, you can't say that. This is what the Bible says. This is the word of God. This is how it is supposed to be. And blah, 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 blah. I just said some stuff. And he was like, whatever, man, that's not in the Bible. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and so I went home from work, and I didn't know where it was in the Bible because I was just a new Christian. But I searched that stinging Bible. I didn't even have the Internet. And I saw I just started, like, looking through all my, like, extreme teen Bible, like, sections and, like, finding all this stuff about abortion because it had, like, a questionnaire section in the back. And so I found it. And I wrote them all down on a piece of paper, and I, like, slapped it on his Ford Mustang windshield. And when he came out of work that night, he read it. And the next time I came into work, he shook my hand. And he said, I respect that. That's, that's, that's the truth. So another guy who was older guy, and, and he worked at the same place with me, and he was, like, total womanizer, like, ridiculous, just ridiculous. Um, and he was a Freemason, which we don't have to get into, but basically he did not believe in Jesus at all. And he was trying to get me to be a Mason. And every time he would talk to me about God, he would just, like, talk about all this stuff and say, there's no way that God's real and blah, 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 and Jesus isn't the answer and all this stuff. And I would just love on him and tell him the truth and tell him my experience and tell him my testimony that, um, you know, like I got saved and God showed me his love and all this stuff. And two years after I left to come down here to go to school, I came back to work just to, like, say hey and, you know, get some chicken wings because we made good chicken wings where I worked. And uh, dynamic wings. Yeah, you know about dynamic wings. Oh, my gosh, that's scary. It's not a safe place to work, I'll tell you that. I've had lots of things thrown at my head, and the whole place lit on fire once. But that was my fault. (laughs) But... He, I came back, and two years afterwards, he hands me a Bible and says, thanks for always telling me the truth. I got saved, and I wanted to give you this as a gift. Crazy. So that's the other way you start to filter. Like, you, you get into this rhythm of, like, filtering what's pure, and you start to filter the gospel even for somebody else who you get around. And that's just stuff that this is, this, that's what this theme is all about, okay? It's Christmas, and the reality of Christmas is that the fullness of the story of Jesus Christ coming for our sins is the power to change someone's life. And yours, you are totally included in that. Okay? And what we want to do is live, is live in, this, in this way where we totally live by the book. We live by what God has said is true. We live by what he said to you, that he loves you, right? So stand up really quick. Sorry to make you get Bibles. We ended up not using them, but. Uh, I think we've got hot chocolate and Christmas cookies after this. Thank you, God. Okay. Um. Just huddle up here to the front a little bit. All you guys in the back row. Okay, the front row can stay where it's at. You guys scare me a little bit. <laughs> Not literally. Yeah, that's creepy. You're awesome. That hurt. All right, check this out. The store. Oh, yeah, you're awesome, bro. I think Kevin's like a zebra. No, I don't know. It's something to do with, like, checkered flag. He's a finisher. 
black and white. He's legit. I just jotted some stuff down about what, what Christmas is really about. No filter, okay? And it's just going to be like a declaration. And then we'll finish up. He came in obedience. He came on the account of faith and surrender. He came for me, and he came for you, and he came for you, and he came for you, and all the other yous. He came in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. Therefore, he was subject to the things of the flesh. He was tempted in every way we were tempted, but did not yield his gaze, his focus, his, or his actions to sin. He grew up with a family, a mother, and a father, and brothers, probably some sisters. Okay, so you know that the temptations he was tempted with were for real. All y'all with sisters and brothers and mothers and fathers. Like, why is my dad so dumb? No. Jesus was tempted like that too, and he said, why is my dad so awesome instead? Just honored people. He was mistreated, misguided, taken advantage of, stolen from, spit upon, beaten, judged, and condemned to death, all the time while looking at the ones that were against him, saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He came as a promise fulfilled, a promise that God would not leave his children, that's you and me, in the bondage of sin fear and darkness, but would send light into the world full of love to overcome death with the abundant life of God. Jesus, we just say this is your truth unfiltered. This is your truth with no circumstance attached to it. This is your truth from your mouth that said you wouldn't leave us or forsake us, God, but you would send your son as a sacrifice so that we could have the life that he deserved to have so that no amount of shame could keep us down, but your love would come and you would lift us up. God, that you wouldn't leave us in darkness, but you, you have caused light to shine on us. God, this is why we celebrate Christmas. This is why we celebrate this season. Your son to be lifted up, to be magnified, to be seen for who he is and to be shared with the people around us. God, I, I don't want to live filtered through my circumstance. I want to live according to your word and to desire the things that you've promised for me, God. Just say, I want what you promised. Say it again. Say, I want what you promised. Say, for me and for the people around me. God, that's the cry of our heart. That's what we want. This podcast was recorded live at a Wednesday night youth meeting. To find out more, check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching Airborne Youth.